0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom show, Jacob and I are in studio and Tyler will be hopping on to join us on the phone. We also have a very special guest for this episode. Daniel Artest will be joining us on the TSK show this week, and he is the host of the Daniel Artest podcast and younger brother of one of the greatest defenders in the history of the NBA, Meta Santaford Artest. We'll catch up with Daniel and see what he has been up to during quarantine, and we'll get his thoughts on the latest happenings from the world of sports as the major American sports leagues are still trying to figure out ways to either start or resume their seasons. All right, let's start the show. to the Sports Kingdom. welcome to the Sports Kingdom. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 145 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Klar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. Tyler, how you doing, man?
1: Doing all right, man. Just trying to, uh, you know, get through these crazy times.
0: (laughs) I feel you, man. We also got with us our co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, man. Just inching away another day at a time, you know. We'll get through this eventually. Yep, yep. Also joining us, we have a very special guest. Someone I met back in 2013. Uh, Daniel Artest, the host of the Daniel Artest podcast and younger brother of one of the greatest defenders in the history of the NBA, Meta, Meta Santaford Artest. Daniel, how you doing, man? How's it going?
2: Hey, man, I'm doing great. And uh, I just want to say thanks for having me on your show, man. Really appreciate it.
0: No, we we appreciate you being here. It's it's a pleasure to have you, man. We met back in 2013 at a Los Angeles Lakers game at Staples Center It happened to be actually the first Lakers game the Lakers played after Dr. Jerry Buss had passed away. It was the day after. It was against the Boston Celtics. It's it's a game I'll never forget. And meeting you there, uh, we we've stayed in contact over the the years uh, through social media. So I really appreciate you taking the time for us. And I want to ask, what what have you been up to? during quarantine what's what's it been like for you first off everyone's safe everyone's healthy everyone's good with you
2: yeah my family is safe uh everybody's healthy i did have unfortunately lose some friends to it um oh, i on to it as well um but for the most part though you know family the family's safe i'm down here in um in uh charleston south carolina so where I'm at, it's pretty much it's easier. It's not like living in New York or living in L. A. Where everybody's crowded at. So I can pretty much go outside and and go for a walk without being in anybody's way.
0: Okay, well that's that's good. At least at least you you get to keep your space and keep your sanity a little bit. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, were you able to watch any of the Last Dance?
2: Oh yeah, I watched the whole uh, five weeks. I enjoyed it.
0: What What were some of your favorite moments from it?
2: Oh, 48 hours, man. That's my top moment, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the the situation with Dennis Rodman, you know, <laughs> going away for for 48 hours and, you know, Michael Jordan having to to grab him out the hotel room or wherever he had to grab him from, you know, to get him back on the to get him back in and uh ingratiated with the team, you know. Yeah. So that, was, that was that was a funny moment, to
3: me. <laughs> no doubt. Now, after this documentary, players like Horace Grant and Pippen, they've said that a lot of it was BS, especially Horace Grant. Pippen said that he didn't like the way he was portrayed in this documentary. Uh, now, what are your thoughts on it? Is most of this information accurate, or are you siding with Horace and uh, and Pippen?
2: You know what? I wanna, I, I, I'm going to side with um, Horace and Pippen because Michael Jordan had the film, you know, for since, you know, he retired. So that's over 20 years he had the film. The film wasn't going to be released until he released it. So this is coming from, this is Michael Jordan telling you his truth. So you will have to side with Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen about that. Because he did make him look kind of bad, especially Pippen. Even though Pippen put a lot of that pressure on himself with the migraine situation and also you know, acting out the game with 1.8 seconds left. So Pippen, he has to be accountable for his actions during those times. But I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't agree as well that it's BS, but I would side with with um, Horace and and Scotty about it, you know them not being uh, fairly uh, portrayed.
3: Yeah, well, there was also news too that that recently came out that Jordan that there's tapes of him saying that he specifically did not want to play with Isaiah on that dream team, but in this documentary he comes out and says I have nothing to do with that decision.
2: Yeah, that's just my, Michael. Uh, you know, covering his own butt. Even yeah. though, like you said, you the tapes <laughs> out there. I, I I heard the tapes. Of course, we um we heard it during the Dream Team um documentary when it was like uh you know no Isaiah questions. We we know we know what it was, man. You know what I'm saying um with the the, the relationship with Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas. It, it was a competitive relationship. You know they they find they they're going for championships. You know it's just like how Isaiah Isaiah and Magic they was best friends all the time. Until it's time to win championships, and then like you know is it, it, is the 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 tone the temperature gets a little bit hotter, you know what I'm saying, so like I understand you know why Isaiah Thomas was how he was, he wanted to win, and he also wasn't getting the same kind of respect you know that um that um you know the magics the birds and the jordans of the world you know was getting, so that's why I see why he was you know, so feisty into, you know, wanting to win a championship and doing by any means necessary. Um, as I add on to it, you you gotta have that type of mentality though. You know, when you're when you're at that level of the game, especially when you wanna win a championship. You gotta have that that how can I say that Mamba mentality that do anything yeah. to do what it takes to win. And even if that means, you know, stepping on the toes, crossing the lines, you know, having having beef with people that you was cool with, you know, it, it is what it is. When you get to that level you know, when you get to that level, when you get on that stage and you're close to getting a ring, you're four games away from winning the championship, It, it all bets are off.
0: Yeah, and you, you saw that in, in the last dance. You saw players like Bill Wennington, Will Perdue, a couple of the other role players, uh, Steve Kerr, John Paxson. You saw their response to how Michael acted, and at the end of the, the day, they were just like, but we won the championship, so it really didn't matter.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> now they say that they should have said that back in the days <laughs> too, as well. You know what I'm saying? They should have kept that you back in the days. But you know, I guess because they won, you know, Michael Jordan won six. You know, Bill Winington only won multiple championships. Steve Kerr, he got he got five or whatever, and um, you know, so yeah, of course they're going to be happy about it now because their their names are etched in stone forever. So you know, but back then, you know, they they definitely had th- their feelings about it and so. stuff. Yeah, and um, kudos to Steve Kerr. For you know, getting into a fight with Michael and actually starting it,
0: yeah, and he he said that that honestly is what kind of changed their his relationship with Michael and ultimately brought them together and made Michael trust him, yeah, that earned his respect
2: yeah don't don't you know that like hey, think about it, it happened with Ron and Colby back in two thousand and nine, it happened with Matt Barnes, you know as well, you know yeah. these 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 superstar athletes like to be challenged, and then you you will they will gain you know, the utmost respect for you, you know what I'm saying? Like even me, when I was playing and stuff and, you know, I had some, certain teammates that backed down for me, certain teammates that didn't. And then I only always rode with the teammates that, that never backed down. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that, that's fun. You know what I mean? You, you want to know that when you're in a, in a situation that you got somebody that's going to have your back and you're going to have their back as well.
0: For sure. Was, was there anything new in the last dance that you learned about like about Michael or the bulls during that time?
2: Yeah, um, every, pretty much a lot of stuff, you know. Um, like think about it, the pressure that they was up against during that season when they was like, hey, this season's over, whether you go eighty-two and zero or not. You know what I mean? This is the end. Like, and then they still go out and win a championship. Or oh, like all that stuff, like the Dennis Rodman stuff when he was, you know, away. You know what I'm saying? Even during the finals, I didn't know that Dennis Rodman was was leaving during the finals and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And um also the unfortunate thing with Michael Jordan's father passing away and they're trying to say that, you know, the gambling issue was the cause of that as well. So it, it was definitely um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of um new new stuff that I didn't know. Like Scott like like Phil Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like Phil Jackson's you know, you know, his upbringing and stuff, you know, they had to dig deep in the crates. To pull out his highlight film and stuff, like you know, I didn't know he had he had game like that, especially defensively, you know. So it was, it was actually pretty cool to, to see, you know, them go back into the film and stuff. And also the um the jokes with uh, Jerry Craft, they were killing <laughs>
0: it. Oh, uh, <laughs> those are the best ones. Well, and going back to the the Phil Jackson footage, the fact that they were able to find coaching footage of him in Puerto Rico, I thought was incredible.
2: Yeah, that was that was that was awesome. Like I, I knew, I heard that I knew about him on the Albany Patroon just by me always reading, you know, basketball about the minor leagues in the United States. Being from New York but too, I, yeah, I didn't even know that he um, he was um, in Puerto Rico coaching and stuff. That was actually pretty cool, man. And um, you know, like his 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 road to where he got to, to how he got to the NBA was 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 different. It was very un, unconventional and stuff, you know. And um, you know, I think I credit Phil Jackson's road though as well you know how he carries himself you know and, um to the reasoning to to get close to Dennis Rodman like that you know what i mean cuz i think that no other coach but Phil Jackson could handle that type of character on the team
0: yeah i've i've always said that one of phil's best traits was how he was able to to handle the personalities and handle each person as an individual and and accept everybody for who they were
2: yeah, his his coaching methods is weird because he he pick and bother you and stuff. And like when he sees that you're getting further away from the team, and it's not it's funny because I remember like when when Ron was going through his situations like with Phil Jackson, but it wasn't like he was going away from the team. I guess Phil Jackson just wanted to make sure that he stayed engaged, so he poked and prodded and pushed all his buttons and stuff, which I thought. You know, Phil Jackson was crazy for that. Know, you know <laughs> how knowing my brother personally and stuff. You know, and so I thought that he was crazy for that. But um, you know, I guess there's a method to the madness too, as well, because then you know, players buy in and stuff. You know, once they realize that, hey, you know, this coach is really here for me. He really has my back and stuff. That is just you know wanting me to be a part of the team. And then you know, coaches. I mean, players will run through a wall for that coach.
3: And honestly, the biggest ego that you probably have to manage is Broadman, because you said about the two-day vacation. And I don't know what player. I've never heard of that story that you just let a player go on a two-day vacation mid-season and say, "All right, come back after these two days," which he didn't. But still, to have that trust in the player. Yeah,
2: you know what? As long as that player is going to be doing his job, you know, hey, like, what, what what can you do to really, you know, to really stop him from doing whatever he wants? It's like, you know, if, you, if that if that coach knows that what this player needs, then. You don't, you know, um, you don't, you don't try to hold that player back.
0: Yeah. Now, so what What else have you been up to during, during quarantine? I know you were trying to put some camps together uh, for basketball and the youth in your community. What, what's going on with that? I know I'm sure everything's kind of been put on hold, but what, tell me a little bit about what, what's been going on with that.
2: Yeah. So during quarantine, you know, I been podcasting hard, you know what I mean? Really been doing my thing with uh, Daniel podcast Podcasting. You know, also been, all, you know, selling my little shirts and stuff, trying to, you know, raise capital for my camps and stuff. So basically, in New York, though, there's no permits being allowed all the way up to September. So basically, the summer's done. There's no street ball, like, you know, if you know what Dykeman is, or Rucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rucker Park, yeah. there's none of that this summer.
0: Wow. So, I'm the Julie canceled book. out here.
2: Yeah I I spoke to um you know um Miss Chanel about the Drew League as well. Yeah, she did say that they canceled that they had to actually. They wasn't trying to but once they pushed that order back, yeah, they had to cancel.
0: Yeah, it complicated a lot of things for a lot of people. Yes. It sure did, man, but you know like
2: you got to you got to figure it out. You know what you are going to do during this quarantine? Like how are you going to grow? You know, like you, you can you can sit and wallow in sorrow or whatever or You can just, you know, figure it out. You know what I mean? I just look at the quarantine situation as 99 problems, and then I just have to find 100 solutions, stay ahead of the game.
0: There you go. That's a good way to put it. So what what were you doing when the NBA season got suspended back in March?
2: Oh, I was actually watching one of the basketball games and stuff, and you could kind of sense the rumblings, like, even, like, during the game. It was weird. It was, like, a weird feeling. And then like once, um, you know, they announced it, it was just like in shock to be honest. And um, you know, it was just it was just pretty much pretty shocking that they just canceled the whole the whole season or suspended it, rather. You know, it was just like something that we never listen. We never been through this before, okay? You know, we've been through a lockout, two lockouts or whatever, but we never been through something like this. So it was just all brand new. It was all shocking to me.
0: Yeah. Do you think the the NBA should resume the season? We've had multiple conversations here on the TSK show with myself, Jacob, and Tyler. We were against the NBA resuming the season because we were of the mindset, we didn't want to mess up two seasons. We'd rather cancel this season and make sure that nothing happens to next season and next season starts on time. But clearly from what we've seen, the NBA is hell bent on resuming the season and, and finishing out the year.
2: Um, it just depends. Like if the NBA doing a due diligence, players are getting tested and if they come back, you know what I mean, as healthy enough to play, I think I think they should, you know, resume the season. Um I'm against it with y'all too as well. But, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, just to say, Hey man, if this is what y'all wanna do you know what I mean? And we we all basketball fans. As long as you're doing the right thing as far as testing and stuff, you know, the players don't care about that. They're trying to rush to come back, but the players got to understand too as well. Like, hey, man, listen, y'all can harm other people because you could have the corona or COVID or whatever they call it. You can have it and not have the symptoms, but, you know, somebody else that has an underlying issue with their with their body, you know what I mean, can get it from you. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that they shouldn't rush back, but if, they, if they're going to come back, then just make sure you just cover all your bases.
0: Do you think it's fair – like, let's say the the NBA does come back. Do you think it's fair to teams that aren't playoff eligible to just end the regular season and go right into the playoffs? Or do you think that there should be, like, some regular season games to kind of ramp them up and then m- move into the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I think that they sh- whoever's in range of the playoffs, they should finish the season. Now, whoever's not in range, they should just, you know, might as well just not – go to Orlando or Vegas or wherever they want to have it at. Let the teams get a chance to make it to the postseason, that the teams that want to play and stuff, you know. I think that like Portland, or oh, we got Portland, New Orleans, and um, Memphis, you know what I mean? They're all um, trying to get that A spot. I know, I think Memphis is actually in the A spot, but, yeah. you know, New Orleans is trying to make a push. You know, Portland is right there with them. So, yeah, get, give them a chance.
0: Did you see what Damian Lillard said yesterday basically coming out and like if, if the Blazers don't have a, a chance to make the playoffs and they say they still have to play the games that he's not going to play but he'll sit on the bench and support his teammates?
2: I mean, I I, I agree with that. He could, you know, and also he's going to not risk injuring himself. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, well, why play? Why play if, if if you're not ready? If you're not going to go to the playoff, you shouldn't play. Yeah. I agree with that.
3: Now Now, the NBA – They are trying to to come back. They are taking the steps, and one of the steps is focusing it on Disney World in Orlando. How well do you think that could work out for the players? Because it just recently came out today saying that they will allow family access as well to join some of these players at the facilities.
2: Yeah, I I heard about the family access, but I know they'll keep them in a bubble. I, I think that they won't let the family, like, you know, Go wherever they want to go and stuff. Um, I think Vegas should be should be a better option though because you know they said that I think one of the hotels said they'd give them the whole block. You know what I mean? So they can have their bubble. They they like they can go shopping. They can do what they got to do without being outside, without being there the public and stuff. And also we know that they can they can hold, you know, um, NBA teams in one hotel and have you know a successful you know um rest of the season and stuff because of how they do it the NBA Summer League. Exactly. You know I mean? They got the facilities there and stuff. Orlando, you know, it's not that many hotels out there. And you know, I know there's some there's like a couple of nice ones and then there's a couple of run down ones. But in Vegas, you know, I played in the NBA Summer League. We stayed at the Palms when I was with the Sacramento Canes. and every all the other teams was in there too. Every single um team in there was there. So I I think they can make it happen. It should happen in Vegas, not in Orlando though.
0: I think the reason they're they're going with Orlando is obviously the Disney ABC ESPN connection and the television rights. So I think it's kind of scratch my back, scratch your back kind of situation.
2: Yeah, I agree. What about uh, TNT?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe <laughs> maybe Tyler Perry can build some basketball courts at his uh, uh, production lot in Atlanta, right next to Turner.
2: Yeah, maybe they should do that. Maybe Turner Turner Sports should they should. They should, you know, divvy it up or something and um have Turner Sports have one, have um, you know, ESP and ABC have the others and then they just, you know, do what they gotta do. And then obviously, you know, the playoffs and well the finals or whatever is ABC. So I think I think that that'd be cool.
0: Yeah. Now it for the playoffs, if there are a playoffs, they're they're talking about maybe doing a straight one through sixteen seeding and I know the league has been wanting to try and implement this in general uh over the past few years. They they've kind of floated the idea out there. Now, with them trying to maybe squeeze this in during this time, do you think it has the possibility to to extend past and become permanent as a as a straight one through sixteen playoff? Or do you think they should keep it uh eight and eight from each conference?
2: Oh please! I hope they go to one to sixteen. I please. I really hope they do that.
3: <laughs> I think. It, I think it'll keep it more interesting, just because now you'll get a Western Conference team, just like the Lakers. They would potentially be playing the Nets.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, man, I, I'm more for it. To be honest, man, I'm more for that. They they do the one to sixteen, and then I hope they keep it permanent. That'll be fun. But if not, if they don't keep it permanent, at least for this, they should do the one to sixteen for this. For this type of situation was going on here. Do
0: you do you think that if if they were to like make changes to the playoffs, like a one through sixteen, or even like a, a thirty team March Madness style bracket to to finish the season? Do you think there would be an asterisk on this year's NBA champion? Or
2: nah, they they shouldn't put an asterisk on the on
0: this on this season at all. You know, they they, they it,
2: this was an act of God type of situation. You know what I'm saying? Or a human cough. Who knows? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who knows? But you know, I don't think they should play any type of, any type of whatever during this season. This is not a lockout. This is just an unforeseen event that happened. You know, what I mean, nobody knew this was going to happen. Nobody knew that it was going to spread and how um, how it spread. And and you know what? While we are on the subject, I don't. I think that people shouldn't even blame Rudy Gobert for the stoppage of the season. You know, who knows if. Maybe Donovan Mitchell gave it to him, you know.
3: Yeah, which initially he was—he got the most slack because of what he did at the press conference.
2: Exactly, but think about this though: like, what about on social media when everybody was saying it was—it was a hoax and all those other stuff? Right before that, everybody was saying that this whole Corona thing was a hoax, and blah 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 blah. Then Rudy Gobert was like, you know, he's—he's he's touching the mic, he's doing what he's doing. To show like some some strength, like yo, you know, like don't worry about it. It's nothing. But then he just he just caught the short end of the stick. But all right, if he got it from the microphones, then that means the reporters. Are they, do, have we heard of any reporters that got that contracted it? I, I didn't hear any news of anybody that contracted it in that in that press conference. You know,
0: not from that one specifically. But yeah, no, it's a lot of people didn't really start taking the virus seriously until sports got shut down.
2: Yeah, once the NBA shut it down, then it it, it, it ratcheted up a lot, you know. It, 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 that was that was like a, a crazy night.
0: Yeah. So all right, let's let's transition now a little bit. I want to talk about your relationship with you and your brother. What was it what was it like growing up with Meta and when did when did you kind of know or realize that that he was kind of trending towards going to the league?
2: Well, I remember he went to five star camp one year. And um, at five star camp, it's like the All American camp, it's like all the top players in the country go. And Ron went. And Ron was really ranked like 20, 22, 23 in the nation at the time. You know, pretty good player, but still, you know, not up there with the top guys. And then they played this one on one tournament. It was Elton Brand, it was Chris Burgess. Chris Burgess actually was ranked number one in the nation at the time. And um, it was a couple of other players. Ron ended up winning the one-on-one tournament, beating Elton, beating Chris Burgess, beating Shane Battier. And, um, you know, and he just skyrocketed after that. You know, um, I didn't really think about Ron, you know, going to the NBA, though, to about maybe like – when I started hearing the draft reports and stuff, you know um, – I would call teams and like, Hey, you, you know, like I would call teams and be like, Hey, uh, you thinking about picking up <laughs> I used to collect call teams, it was funny. And when you thinking about picking my brother or whatever, all the top teams and stuff and then uh, it was still didn't hit me. And then when we got to the draft he was invited. It, it it still didn't hit me until they called his name at sixteen and then it's just I was just like, Oh wow, this is crazy <laughs> like, like he really like, you know, he made it.
0: What what was it you know, like? I was
2: young back then. I, I was young back then, so I, I was still I was still 16 years old at the time. So oh, wow. I, I was still like, yeah, naive and stuff about that.
0: What, what was it like growing up in Queensbridge with him and trying to work on your games together, like training together in in the summers, I'm sure. And, and just growing up together,
2: but well, we rarely trained together. To be honest, we really started training together when we got to the pros. Um, like our seasons ran parallel, and you know he was always going because he was playing AAU, and they traveled the country all the time when he was playing AAU basketball
0: with Riverside Church. No, so that's the one with Elton Brand and Lamar Odom, one of the, one of the greatest yeah. AAU teams of all time. Yeah,
2: definitely one of the great, probably the greatest. They went sixty nine and one one season. The only loss they lost to was um Baron Davis, and um but they ended up beating him or whatever. They won. They swept every tournament. Vegas. uh to, to to the Peach um, Classic, Peach Jam Classic in Atlanta. They won every single major AU tournament that summer.
3: Yeah. Now, you guys, like Eric said, you guys grew up in Queensbridge, and you guys were a force to be reckoned with, you know, in the public parks. But obviously you guys went down different paths. But at what point did you think that you wanted a, a career in basketball?
2: I never did, to be honest. You know, I just played because, you know, that was just family pressure. You know, like when people will be like, Hey man, if you don't play basketball, you're not gonna be nothing, you know, you gotta be a brother. So it was just something that I was like kinda of forced into. But I was always in the shadows and stuff like that my entire life with it. And so I always I I, I tried, tried my hardest and to, to get out the shadow and stuff and it put a huge chip on my shoulder and but when it didn't happen it kinda of, it kinda of broke me like mentally.
3: Yeah. Now, it's funny that we mentioned the last dance and you mentioned Rodman and in that documentary he says how he studied the art of rebounding. Now, you're a pretty great rebounder yourself. Is there anything that you could relate to what Rodman's saying?
2: Yeah, relate to all that. I was <laughs> I was that was that was amazing
3: to hear. Yeah, but is you there know, is there any specific tips that maybe you have versus his in rebounding?
2: Well, I know that when People like I I'm best at rebounding when somebody shoots corner threes. For some reason, because I know that I know where the ball is going to go, so like once once I I'll let the guy get position, you want to get the inside position because I know the ball is going to go the opposite way. You know what I'm saying? So like, I just I just you know I know where the shots is going to go, where the ball is going to um, get at once once the shot go up in the air, where where if he misses it, where it's going to go. So I always just make sure that I always just be in position and, and and have my motor going. So like if I have to fight for the rebound, I will because you know I play power forward and center. I'm only six three, six four, so I have to make sure that I'm prepared to rebound at all times because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not that tall, and I don't want to get dunked on.
0: <laughs> you don't want to end one, up on the wrong side of a poster. No one wants to get dunked on.
3: <laughs> exactly. But uh, but speaking of rebounds, today, ironically, is the 10-year anniversary of when your brother, Ron, he caught that pass, which would look like an air ball. Or was an airball from Kobe in the uh, game five of the Western Conference Finals against the Suns? Now, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, were you at that game, and uh, and what that meant to you during that time?
2: No, I want to ask y'all questions. Since y'all are Laker fans, oh, what, was boy, y'all, yeah. what was y'all, y'all feelings like when Ron took them two badass shots, though? Did y'all boom? Did y'all get mad at him? Let's, come on, be honest. Let's go. Did y'all get mad at him?
3: Well, initially I wasn't mad at him, because I knew he would make it up on defense. Like, that's the kind of player he was. But, yeah, a lot of the yeah. times he did shots like that, I was like, oh, man, that's probably not the smartest shot at the time. But <laughs> I wasn't initially, like, furious at the guy.
0: Yeah, no, I wasn't furious with him. Yo, yeah, what
2: yeah, I, yeah. I heard, what I heard the shots, I've seen the video, and he... Because sh- I didn't see the game. I didn't see the game. And, um... I don't know why I didn't see the game. I just did not see the game that day. And um, people was tweeting me, though. And they was just like, yo, your brother effing sucks. And I can't stand him. And then all of a sudden, them same people was tweeting, like, mad emojis and stuff. Like, yo, we did it. I love your brother. Man, your brother's freaking awesome. (laughs) Whatever. And and then um I went online and I seen I said oh that's crazy first of all why he take them shots he took one one was enough yeah then he takes the second one and I'm like yo what are you doing and then like you seen the look on his face like he didn't even care and I was like yo what are you doing and then when he got the when he boxed out um Jason Richardson and got the offensive rebound and putback and I I was like oh that is crazy and that was the birth of hey say Queensbridge. <laughs> which,
3: which, which that could that changed the whole series because if the Lakers lose that game and he doesn't get that rebound, they go to Phoenix down three two. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, they, you... yep, yep. They go to Phoenix down three two, and um, which I I still think that they they would have won they would have won that series, but it would have definitely put more pressure on them though. But um, I think the Lakers was just too good and stuff. Um, but yeah, that. Whew, that was that was uh one of the biggest shots in Laker history. My brother has two of the biggest shots in Laker history. Oh now, man. That's, <laughs> look at
0: that. that's the next one I wanted to bring up. You were at game seven in two thousand and ten. Uh I've seen oh, plenty yeah. I've seen plenty of pictures with you and your brother after the game with the trophy. What was it like yeah. being there and what was going through your head when Kobe passed him the ball?
2: So, um that was my first Laker game. You know, um I didn't go to no Laker games that because I was playing basketball myself. And um so I from the from the jump just getting out there was crazy. You know, and um pulling up at the arena at game seven, then all the fans out there, they just recognize me. Oh, you there? you from Twitter Ronnie? They just was going crazy. I get interviewed in front of the Staple Center, you know what I mean? So I, I go I go in the game, I go to my seat and the game starts, you know, it's just tense. First ever Lego game, and it has to be game seven of the finals. And like I literally was not watching the game. My hands, my head was in my hands the entire time because I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. Like, this is it. You know? And then, you know, they go down. The funny thing was that when they went down 13, now here I am telling the crowd to relax. I'm like, don't worry about (laughs) it. That's that's the wrong thing to tell Laker fans. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) But the reason why I wasn't worried about that lead, though, because... The Lakers were still out rebounding Boston by tremendous margin that game, but the Lakers just couldn't make their putbacks. You know what I'm saying? Because they was killing them on offensive. But I'm like, watch when the game slows down. Once everybody nerves slowed down, it's gonna be fine. And then they started just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. The official hit a big three. Then once you know Kobe started getting in range and the mid range shots and stuff. And then you know, you know once um, you know um Kobe passed around the ball and he hit the three, I ran over to Ray Allen's mom's, and I was like, y'all dead. <laughs> <laughs> I gave her the barrier, Ellie cutthroat, kiss of death. Oh, whatever. I was like, y'all dead, right to
3: Ray Allen's mom's, man. That's so horrible of me. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, what's funny, because you mentioned the rebounds, Kobe had a, a poor uh, game offensively. He shot very, very poor, but in that moment, he trusted Ron to make that last-second shot because he he drew the double team on Pierce, and Pierce was late on Ron.
2: Yeah, that's that's, that's bad coaching on Doc Rivers' part. Listen, Ryan may not be the most amazing three-point shooter or whatever, but he's in the league. And at that time, he was in the league for, what, 10 years? He can hit an open shot or whatever. Like, you know, like sure. any NBA play 10. Once they set their feet, it's, it's, it's just like, okay, it's going in. You know what I'm saying? So that was just bad. I, mean, I enjoyed it that it was on Paul Pierce because Ron and Paul Pierce, you know, had those battles. And I was also glad that out of the seven-game series they had, Paul Pierce only had two good games. And Ron just bottled them up the rest of the series. Now, if Ron was on that other Lakers team in 2008, then I think the Lakers would have been three-peat champions. And that was the only Man. reason why I felt like Boston got over because we always thought it, talked about that. Yo, Ron, yo, you got to go. You got to figure out how to get to the Lakers, yo, because this team right here, perfect for you. You know what I mean? And um, we we always talked about that. So yo, you got to figure out a way. I mean, I know you want the money or whatever. I, you know what I'm saying? They ain't offer you no big money. You know what I mean? If you got to go to the Lakers, just figure it out, man, cuz that team's perfect.
0: <laughs> well, is and, it, look, and it, it works. Isn't the story that Ron came to Kobe in the shower after the loss in 2008?
2: Yeah, that's true. That's a true story. Um yeah, that was crazy. I didn't know about that. So, um I read about it. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's just doing that now. I was like, That's different. You know? Well,
0: It's like you said earlier when talking about the, the mama mentality and what happened with how Matt Barnes came to the Lakers, how your brother came to the Lakers. Kobe always said, if you're crazy enough to fuck with me, you're crazy enough to play with me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know what's so funny? You know, meeting Kobe and being around him for those years, man. He's a really nice guy. He's not. Where everybody say he is, man, that's just an on-court thing. But off the court, really nice guy. I remember when I was trying out for the um, summer league team for L.A., I was trying out. You know what I mean? I was there with Adam Morrison at the time. He was on the team and stuff. And, um, you know, it was, I pulled him to the side and like, hey, can you shoot me some footwork drills working in this triangle office." And he did it. You know, that was actually really cool, you know what I mean? And um it was always love when I seen him and so, stuff. Like, you know. Um, always talking about, you know, basketball, asking about the family and stuff, asked about my kids and stuff, you know what I mean I used to mess around and play around with him. Um, you know, with, with the Gigi and uh and all the other kids and stuff like that. You know, the wife was always nice and um you know, it it was just like it was just crazy, like he didn't get his appreciation to after he retired. I wish he would have showed that other side of him you know what I'm saying, more when he was playing because he was actually a really, really nice guy. And um,
3: to know that he's not
2: – that's crazy, I'm going to say the sentence. To know that he's not here
3: yeah,
0: anymore. It still doesn't that feel real. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you, you hit it
3: you hit it right on the head because I got the opportunity to go to his basketball camp back when I was in high school. And its it's crazy because you see his competitive spirit on the court. But when he's around the kids showing them different things and interacting with the coaches and different teams – it's it's something you've never seen before because I also went to to Jordan's camp and he didn't really do that so much, but maybe that's because of the iconic, you know, uh background he had. But Kobe was really interactive with, with all of the the campers there, which I thought was really great.
2: Yeah, man. Um It's just it's just rough. Yeah. That, that, oh, is it is really rough. And sometimes I still think about it, I just be like, like, damn, like is for real? Like maybe I'm like damn, maybe he's like Sometimes I feel like he's just in the studio writing his books and stuff. He's just in the studio grinding and stuff, writing his his Wizard Art series and stuff. Yeah. And then it's like he's he's going and his daughter's going and you know, rest in peace to everybody else that was involved in that tragic incident that day too. It's just it's just pretty crazy, man. Like it's just so surreal.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. It 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 still doesn't feel real. I'm I'm in the middle of actually reading uh, his bio, uh, his biography written by Roland Lansby, uh, Showboat, and it's just crazy to to read it and know that he's he's not here anymore it's it's crazy but yeah, yeah transitioning to a little bit lighter note I don't think I've ever asked you this how did you become a San Antonio Spurs fan Ooh see that was one of my questions is that is that true
3: first and foremost
0: Listen um <laughs> there's a report
2: you can just type in Daniel Ortiz Spurs and there's a report that me and Ron actually had a falling out you know, what I mean, because when the Spurs played the Lakers, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, it was, that, a, it was an LA Times article, right? Yeah, it was an LA Times article, yeah, but we didn't really fell out. We just stopped talking for a little bit. Yeah. So, my whole thing is this: I want you to do your thing. I just don't want you to win. That's all. It's all right. It's been like that since before he got in the NBA. When he when he played against the Spurs the first time he got to the league, I had a whole Spurs uniform on with um the warm up with Ron's jersey underneath.
0: That's like, so you know, funny.
2: Yeah. Um how I started liking the Spurs though, like, I'm a big I'm a big Hakeem Olajuwon fan, so that was my player at first. And you know what I mean, I, I study Hakeem Olajuwon's footwork all the time. That was my that was like my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite player. But I also heard about Tim Duncan. You know what I mean, coming up, you know, in high school and everything. I heard about him reading stories and stuff, right? So it really basically started with Tim Duncan at Wake Forest because he came with all his height. And then when he played his first game in Wake Forest, he didn't score, and stuff like. That. And then you know people was like, uh, oh, whatever, you bum, whatever. I just started following Timmy across the years and stuff. So it was basically because of Tim Duncan, basically, um, and also New York City legend named Lloyd Daniels also played for the Spurs too. So I was always like, you know, always follow the Spurs and stuff. When he, when Lloyd Daniels was on the Spurs, I always, you know, follow basketball. I've been following basketball since I was a baby. So, you know, I always, I always followed it. And then when I see like my favorite player, you know. Wake Forest, Tim Duncan got drafted to the Spurs. That was that was my team. But I was never a fan of a team up until then. It was basically like Hakeem Olajuwon, pretty much was like the guy.
0: Damn! So yeah. the, the Knicks, the Knicks never had a place in your heart at all. No way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're gonna
3: like one Spur, it's got to be Timmy.
2: Yeah, you got yeah. Like I just like like how he approaches the game. His footwork was 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 way beyond his years. He came in ready to go, and um and I just always thought that he played like Hakeem to me. You know, Akeem was more fluid, obviously, but Tim Duncan had the same type of skill, and that was that. That's what I was drawn to, just the just the skill. I used to just go work out on his, look at his moves and stuff. And I I remember when I when I was in junior college, you know, what I mean, I started mastering the bank shot and stuff. So I would just say I was just yelling Timmy when I shoot, going <laughs> up the glass games and stuff <laughs> and things. So. Yeah, man, like Tim Duncan's that that's the guy right there.
3: Yeah, it wasn't flashy, but it was consistent, though. That's all that mattered.
2: Exactly, and um, that's why when people would be like, Yeah, hey, this was the Kobe era, I'm like, hold on, hold on now. Come on. This is Tim Duncan. They share it. They got to share this era. Yeah, Kobe went back-to-back, you know, two different – well, he went three-peated once, and then he went back-to-back the other. Tim Duncan never went back-to-back. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, it's just – Listen, him and Kobe, at the end of the day, him and Kobe came out even on the championships. Tim Duncan got 1-1 MVP to him. You know what I'm saying? One more finals MVP. It's like, come on, man. Like, they got to share... I think they got to share the error. And you got to blame the Lakers, too, because they wasted five of Kobe's amazing years in the league. When when they wasn't good. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to bash Smush Parker, because that's my former AAU teammate. We don't bash um, Smush Parker. You know what I'm saying? So... I know how y'all feel about
0: them. Listen, here is my thing. At the end of the day, when people say that like NBA players suck or like they're trash or they're a bum or whatever, you gotta you gotta put it in perspective. It's like, no, these guys aren't trash or bums. It's like they will whoop anybody walking on the street. They're just talking in comparison to to, to the their rest peers, of the league to their peers in the yeah. league. So, have but you ever I,
2: heard of an NBA player named Gary Forbes?
0: Gary Forbes? The, the, the last name yeah, he, Forbes
2: sounds familiar. All right. So, Gary Forbes played, you know what I mean? He played in NBA, played with the Raptors for a little bit. I forgot what other teams he played for. But in the summertime, you know, he's from New York, so he, he played in his uh, league or pro city. There's an indoor league in New York, and he scored 78 points. Wasn't getting no playing time in NBA at all, but came in there and scored 78 points. You can't say NBA players are trash, man. You can't say. Even in comparison, you really can't say it because, all NBA players really need is opportunity. Like, yeah. you know, we could, look, case in, the biggest case in point is, is Jeremy Lin. Yeah, know? no doubt. You give, you give Jeremy Lin the keys to the offense, he's going to average 25 points, six rebounds, and nine assists a game. You, you just give him the green light. That's he, his numbers.
0: <laughs> Lin Sanity, the the game that Lin Sanity broke was against the Lakers.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And think about it. Like, how many good point guards in the NBA? Rondo never had that stretch. You know, like as good a point guard Rondo is, he never had a three-week stretch when he was dominant. How many point guards, like not even talking about like the elite guys like the Derrick Rose's back in the day or like the Westbrook's and stuff. Like how many solid like Darren Collison never had a run that Jeremy Lin had in, in, in his career. You know, like is this all about opportunity? You know, it, it really is. It really is just about opportunity. And once, like even like Paul George when Paul George first came into the league, you know he had promise but he wasn't getting opportunities. And once he did, look
3: at him. Kawhi yeah. Leonard. Now yeah, that, he was he know, was what, right behind uh Granger. Granger was the the go to guy on that team.
2: Exactly, exactly. So it was like, you know, um it's just basically an opportunity to, to play in that league. And Smush story, Smush story, how he got to the NBA is crazy. He was found playing street ball. His role wasn't like, you know, he went to college and then he went to the pros. No, he went to college and then, you know, he he was gone for a little minute, then he plays she plays street ball and then he gets discovered. And then that's how he got to the NBA. So I think that, you know, people, if people really knew how he, his path, they were respected. That this man was literally found on a street at this basketball court called The Cage in the middle of the village in New York. That's that's where Smith Sparks is from. He's from there, the village. If you ever heard of the village or whatever in New York City, that's where he's from, you know. And um, so his role was, that's why everybody in New York respects it. Because his road is different, and it's always about good opportunities. Like another guy named um, Sonnyada Gaines, the
3: guy from Utah. Oh yeah, oh I remember him. LeBron. He had a shot on uh, on Cleveland, right? Against LeBron. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah See, so I remember him. I think, bro, a deep three pointer. Exactly, the game winner.
2: Me and Sunyatta Gaines, Smush Parker, Lenny Cook, we all played in like same AAU team. Oh two. wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know we had we had a team. We had um yeah. <laughs> we had a nice little team.
0: Right. So, Tyler, you yeah, still there? Bro,
2: Yes,
1: sir.
0: You got anything for Daniel?
1: Man, I mean, I was just I was just kind of just soaking in all the info. You know, um, it, it's it's cool stories hearing this because I was such a big, I was such a big Ron fan growing up. Like I mean, on the show we've talked about, you know, building our all time favorite team, and I'll take I'll take Ron, you know, over anybody any day. And uh, it's cool just hearing these cool hearing all these stories. Um, yeah, man. I I don't you know I. I remember I, you know, I was always curious. It's like, this is kind of uh, pre-social media, but like, you know, the backlash that he took from from the malice was always, you know, I was always just so defensive of him with that. How was all that, you know, kind of dealing with, you know, I'm sure people were just kind of talking bad on him, you know, it was a different day. It wasn't in your face. And you didn't have the ability to kind of like reply
2: instantly like you do today. Yeah, um, the Malice situation, I feel like it's more of a human reaction. I'm sure if somebody just randomly throws something in your face, you're going to react that way too. I just feel like anybody would react that way, you know? Like, you know, I guess because it was on the national stage and, you know, it happened that, you know, um, David Stern, rest in peace, he had to make an example out of Ron. I thought that the example was too much. I thought that he was going to... I, I remember when I was talking to Ron about it, we was talking about it right after it happened, too. I, I remember it. And I'm like, yo, they're probably going to give you, like, damn near 30 games. He's like, yeah, I know. Mad shots when they when they laid the law down against him. I'm like, yeah. Damn. yeah. yeah. No, but They had to I'm, do that. They, they had to do it. No,
1: I'm with you, man. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. I I play with, you know, myself, I play with a lot of passion, a lot of intensity, and you know it's a battle, especially at the pro level. So, you know I never really you know blamed him or thought less of him for his reaction because, like you said, that's a human reaction, and he was definitely made an example of, uh, which was completely unfair. It was that was just a great you know a crazy moment because I, I I thought like he was on an MVP caliber trajectory that year because he you know Defensive Player of the Year. And he was averaging like twenty four or twenty five games to start that season.
2: You know that yeah. was a
1: big time season in his career, and you know, a big moment. Yeah,
2: I thought like you know they probably would have they probably would have got past Detroit. You know what I'm saying and got and got to the to the finals or whatever and stuff. You know, but that yeah, the team wasn't yeah. ready though. They they was always beefing with each other and stuff. You know, what I mean I know, stature limitations or whatever. But I don't I don't I don't I don't really <laughs> care. But there was a lot of issues on that team. You know, what I'm saying they could they they could have beat Detroit in 2004, and they probably could have ended up the way the Lakers were. You know, especially those chemistry issues, they probably would have won the championship that year too. You know, yeah. and um, like it was it was it was just it was just crazy, man, how that team was just fractured. Yeah. You know, J- Jermaine O'Neal is the man, but Ron, you know, he's the man too because he's out there doing all the dirty work and stuff, and he wanted the same type of respect. Or whatever, so it was always a clash between Ron and Jermaine, and they never got it right, man. It was just, was just really good to go 61 and 21, you know what I'm saying? Which is one of the least, least spoken about 61 teams ever. Nobody really talks about that Pacers team like that. They were yep. really good, but the chemistry issues mm. killed them.
3: And and you just mentioned it too that they could have beaten that Detroit team and that span of the Pistons. They were they were on on. The Mecca basically of the Eastern Conference. They handled everybody. Yeah, they went to back to back finals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They they sure did. They yeah, they lost my Spurs too, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, the Spurs, oh,
3: that's right, yeah. Thanks, Five Rocky and oh Wall- seven. <laughs> Thank
2: you, Rasheed Wallace, for that. Yeah. Thank you for gambling on defense. You're gonna leave Robert Ori over like that. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he I guess he didn't check his resume.
2: Yeah, I guess he didn't, yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I wish, I wish, yeah, you need, that's why I always tell people, man, all the time. Like, teams, you can't run the NBA like like you think you can. I don't care how good you are, you know, like, we can start with the Bulls. The Bulls did a three-peat And Michael Jordan got mentally exhausted. You know what I'm saying? Then he goes and gets it together. Then he comes back. But then they go on another three-peat, but they can't win no more championships because, you know, Big Ego killed them. You know, Jerry Krause. You know what I'm saying? Then now the Lakers got it. You know what I'm saying? The Lakers, they win three in a row, but they can't they can't run in they can't run it because of egos, chemistry, you know what I'm saying? And then all the off court stuff and personal issues and stuff like that. You know, you can't do it. You know what I mean? Um then run it back to to um the next, you know, major team, the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? They they um I know I skipped a lot of years, but it wasn't really no real dominant dynasty type teams, you know, between the last, the last Lakers and the Warriors, there wasn't really nobody dominant like that, you know. Um, you can even say like the Heat, as good as they was, they wasn't really dominant like that. It was that. four years. It was old. They, they, yeah, they were old. But um, you can say the Warriors, they was dominant, but then they can't win because think about it, chemistry issues. You know, Draymond Green calling Kevin Durant the B word. You know, then injuries came. Like that's why I really, that's why I love basketball so much because you can't master the game, you can't master it. You know, like, you you think that you're going to go on a four- or five-year championship run, it's going to be egos going to get bigger because players that's playing, you know, above their contract, you know, pay grade, are going to want more money than they'll be disgruntled. It happens like that. Everybody's in somebody's ear. And that's why I love the game so much because, like, you can't master it because you can can lose it through chemistry, big egos, injuries. And that's always, it always ends like that all the time. The only reason why... Boston did it in the sixties because they had all they had a whole Eastern Conference All Star team on one team. That's why they did that. What they did, <laughs> but other than that, it never happened again.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's,
2: it's the human factor. You know, you're dealing with humans here.
1: Something's going to go wrong.
2: Yeah, like when they be saying like, um, you know, if Greek Freak goes to the to the Warriors, whether they want to run, I'm like, listen, they probably win two championships the most or three, but other than that, they're not because I just feel like when you, you're getting too mentally exhausted playing into June all that time, well, now we're going to be playing until, what, August or whatever. We're we'll be playing too late into the season. It's tiring. And then once, you know, the mind go, the body is going to go, too. You're going to get some crazy injuries. And then, like, how what happened to the Warriors last year, you know, they're supposed to win it. that, that They were going to win it. But then, you know, injury after injury, two crazy injuries happened. Durant with the Achilles yeah. and Clay Thompson with the knee, and that's just how it goes. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No
1: no no but you know, nobody's safe. And it's like even the the yeah. people that you thought were just safe, you know, Popovich and Kawhi, you know, now Brady and Bilichek, like even these things you think are just there's no way ever that it will go bad, it goes bad. And it always does because, you know, like you said, egos
2: and the human factor.
0: The window to win championships is is getting smaller year by year.
2: Yeah, I'm glad that you said that too cuz I wanted to move on to that and um because think about this like LeBron. This is LeBron this is the year right here that LeBron has to win. I'm sorry. This is the year that he he got to win. And I think that is going to be a it's going to be it, it's going to it'll be easier if just Anthony Davis just wants to play center. Just go play center real quick these playoffs and then it's easier you seen what they was doing when they went and they was at the center versus milwaukee and the clippers before the season ended it was it's, it's right there for them to take it
0: yeah but, i think i think i definitely agree with you that this is lebron's best chance to win a championship and especially with everything that we've seen and where we are at in terms of the world it's like clearly the nba is losing money the salary cap is going to be very different than what it was projected to be so we don't know what this Lakers team could look like next year, this is the this is the time now. If there is a season, they have to win it all for for it to be a successful, I think term for LeBron in a Lakers uniform.
2: Yeah, and I think that Anthony Davis. Once they figure out this thing, I think Anthony Davis has to opt in his deal this year. You know, and I think that the NBA works in LeBron's favor when it's you know when it's not that many All Stars on one team. You know what I'm saying because. It's hard to stop him, and that's why the Warriors went to go get Durant. Because after you know the Warriors after the Cle- after Cleveland won that title, it looked like LeBron was going to go on that that streak and win a couple more championships, and then they just get Durant, you know. And um, so the, the league is, is is definitely in LeBron's favor if they go if they lower that salary cap. <laughs> Even I hope they do the favor. I hope
3: they do. Yeah. Now, now, as far as his window that you talked about. If he wins a championship with the Lakers, where does that put him uh, as far as his legacy goes?
2: Um well, in my opinion LeBron already I would say I would if I if I'm going to do the greatest of all time, I would go with Jordan 1 and I would go with Kareem 2 and I would go with LeBron at 3, Magic at 4. You know um but for for LeBron to get that one spot he going to have to he going to have to do a 3p or something like that to get to that one spot. So, he, so even
3: if he wins one championship with the Lakers, you don't think he can get a top of Kareem.
2: I think he he not to Kareem, man. He got 6 rings, man. That's that's
0: tough. And don't forget about the college resume.
2: Yeah, you can't forget about the college resume and stuff. And, I, and um listen, Kareem arguably is one of the greatest players ever to do it, you know. And uh, I don't like how he gets he gets, you know, cast away to the side. I always feel like this, like Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, but there's always should be a debate about it. I don't think that it's, it's clear cut. Like you just can't give, you just can't give Michael Jordan the only key to the apartment of the greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always, always at it like that. There's an apartment. Michael Jordan is the only one that don't have the key. He may have the master bedroom, but a couple of people have the key to that apartment. It's a couple of rooms in that apartment. That's how I feel about it and stuff. I don't think Yeah. You know, I mean people just people people is going crazy over this, this documentary and stuff. And I'm like, No, man, like no. You don't have to go crazy about it. You know, we know what Michael Jordan is. Yes, he's he's amazing player, come through in a clutch and stuff like that. But, you know, hey. You know, I just think that we should, it should always be a debate about it. They can debate about football. They can debate about music on who's the greatest and stuff like that. So, what? Well, so why? Why we can't talk about it with basketball? Like, why, why? Why Michael Jordan has to be clear-cut the greatest of all time? That sit in the discussion, close the door, throw away the keys and stuff like that. No, I don't think it's like that.
0: Yeah, I com I completely agree. Well, listen, Daniel, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, we we usually end the show with a shout out, so I don't know if you want to shout out anybody on the show real quick. Where can people find you on social media? Where can people find the podcast if you want to shout that out? Uh, the floor is yours, my friend.
2: All right, first of all, I want to give a shout out to um, to y'all for allowing me on the show. Really, thank you very much uh, for to allow me for allowing me on the TSK show. Um, I also want to give a shout out to you know everybody that's podcasting, man. You know. Um, Everybody out here is just grinding, um, or eyes on us right now. You know, uh, specifically, want to give a shout out to the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast and the Out of Bounds Podcast with my boy Corey Harrison as well. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can find me at the Daniel Artest Podcast. You know, uh, I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, and iHeartRadio. And I'm on social media, I'm on um, Twitter and Instagram at Daniel Artest Pod. And also, uh, you go to the website, www.danielartest.com com where there's nothing up there but stuff is coming soon and um, also another podcast I want to give a shout out to is Zach Off the Glass podcast and also Combos Court podcast and um yeah man just thank you for having me on and and just shout out to Laker Nation too I know I'll be having a little salty salty relationship with Laker <laughs> fans but I love Laker fans too and for Laker fans you I know that if y'all ever got tickets from Ron
3: that was actually me running Ron's pages and giving y'all hey, tickets there so you go
2: <laughs>
1: all
3: right.
0: Well, Daniel, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Jacob, Tyler, you guys, you guys got any shout-outs before we get out of here?
1: No, thank you, Daniel, man. It was awesome for you to come on the pod with us tonight. Uh, I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem, man.
0: Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. It was great getting to catch up with you after all these years. Good luck with everything on your podcast, the Daniel Artest Podcast, and we hope you'll join us here on the Sports Kingdom show soon, man.
2: Listen anytime, and and please anytime. Don't just let's not just not do a show one time and then y'all wait a while. Anytime y'all want me on the show, we can talk about basketball. Y'all can come on my show and stuff. I also go live on um on Facebook and um YouTube and Periscope as well. You know I've been doing a lot of live shows and um you know it's 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 it's
0: fun. Definitely. You know so
2: yeah, anytime I'm gonna hold y'all to that too. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: Hold us hold us accountable. The, the door is always yeah, sure. open, my friend. So with that, that yeah. wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. And follow Daniel at Daniel Artest Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.